What's good, y'all? You're about to tune into a Patreon appetizer, episode 12 interview of David Posnack, industry leader, tequila consumer, wise wizard full of knowledge on life, liberty, and the pursuit of passion. In layman's terms, this is merely a snippet from the full hour interview, and you can access the full discussion on Patreon. Just see the link in our bio or search Tough to Say on Patreon.com. This is the Shadow Pod TTS Spews. It'll be linked there, so if you're dissatisfied with the soup and salad, I'd encourage you to pay just a little extra each month for Surf and Turf. I'll definitely release this full episode in September. It's just too good to sit dormant in my archive for those uninterested in fueling my dream with their hard-earned wages. Much more like this, but this one was special. Enjoy a clip of David's interview, indulge in the Patreon, and become a part of the family, and tune in Monday for our usual spew. Evil. Phil, um, if you're gonna spew, spew into this. Those who want respect, give it Sporting a Lakers dry fit long sleeve with starter pack Warby Parker glasses, I followed Oboe like a puppy who had just opened its eyes. It was my first summer in New York, and needless to say, my vineyard vines, drips, sperries, and perspective on sexuality wouldn't fly here. As I meandered the streets with the city veteran, taking note of each brand I discovered and every girl that lacked a bra, I knew this place was the place for me. We ducked into a building and called the elevator as if we were about to face off against the local ground-type Pokemon gym trainer. He pushed PH, and we slowly climbed while I wondered if I was being groomed. The elevator opened, and there he sat, a suave OG with an all-black suit and freshly pressed black tea, sipping a low ball of tequila as he towered over his kingdom. I did what any kid my age would do, sat down, indulged in the free liquor before me, had an allergic reaction to the the tahine-rimmed margarita glass, minimized my usage of the word fuck, and struck up conversation. Fast forward years later, when Oboe, who most know as Noah, would be set to get married in West Palm Beach. That suave OG appeared yet again, but this time, I was better prepared for a proper spew. I spent most of that weekend with the guy, and he made me feel like a part of the family. He's still a mystery, and that likely won't change, but he is here before me today. As, and I don't want to typecast you, but likely, the oldest person to come on Let's say the most tenured, the most experienced person to come on the podcast. It's David, and I hope I'm pronouncing your last name right. It's Poznak or Poznak? Poznak. Poznak. David Poznak, a guy I respect, but really don't know much about. And now that you have a taste as to how I do these podcasts, and you know, I may receive an NDA in the mail or have a man show up on my doorstep, <laughs> but in all seriousness, to set the table, you know, a lot of people that listen to this podcast are still charting their path to their own version of success. And I'm definitely not going to hit you with the question of how to be successful. We can all get a masterclass on that. But what I might ask you as an introductory point is just what your path looked like from your early 20s to now and and how it molded you into the person you are today. Okay, well, that was a very lovely introduction. Thank you, Graham. As he said, we met with... Uh, Noah, one of his closest friends, and we chatted up a conversation, and I showed him these notes that 
you know, which I think the entire whatever millenniums, you know, Gen X's, whatever, whoever you are, are not properly prepared. And that's the way we had this conversation that nobody kind of teaches anything, whether it be high school, whether it be college. And I showed him an article that I was going to try to professor at a university or college, and it's called Life After the Nest. And it's sort of like a outline of financial responsibilities, financial, uh, just following your heart and your dreams. And my path is, you know, unlike, again, this is a disclaimer. I don't know the demographic that's listening to this or is going to hear this, but I'm sure this hits a chord with probably 98% of the population. Um, you know, you grow up, you go to school, you have a great time, and nobody kind of tells you what, what happens next. You know, if you were fortunate enough to have a family and, you know, you didn't have to worry about anything, the other one or 2%. But, you know, you, you went to college, you, you did what you had to do, and then you're kind of like, okay, now what? And the things I can say for me is passion, just fo- follow follow your dreams and you know mistakes are okay to make as long as you look in the mirror and you know the mistake was made but you gave it a hundred percent of what you're passionate about mistakes are made all the time and obviously they're better when you're younger and when you're first getting out into the world and there's just so many things attached to it which young people don't learn. Like, you know, me and Graham have talked about, you know, things about financial responsibilities. And, you know, I think I titled something that me and Graham spoke about, pay me now or pay me later, which goes into, you know, when you're young, I mean, you want me to just jump into categories, Graham, or how do you... You're one of the greatest guests that we've ever had. So please, yes, this is the essence of what we do. Right, so... Let's start off with something as simple as looking for a job. Now, you know, you can get a job doing a million things, but if you want to be successful, think of a job as a beginning, a lead point as a career path. And whether it pays great, if it doesn't pay great, whatever, you're young enough to be passionate. Because I believe if you're passionate and truly passionate and stick to who you are you're going to be successful at whatever trade whatever you know job path or whatever whatever your heart desires you know granted corporate america is much different today than it was back in you know i'll say my age 61 but um it's changed but corporate america is still corporate america and you will shine and you will as long as you're passionate about what you do and what you do is based upon in your heart and you got to take sometimes the financial picture out of it because that will come with the passion so just you know a lot of people take jobs because they're going to pay me this or they're going to promise me this they're going to pay me this commission Uh, if, if it's not meant for you don't waste your time because passion always wins. And in corporate America, unfortunately today, when I was a kid, you did everything on a handshake. 
anything you do, unfortunately now, get in writing. Get <laughs> your expectations. Get if they promise you they're going to give you a bonus if you do, let's say, after your first million dollars, they're going to give you another ten percent bonus. Get it in writing, because unfortunately with corporate America, as I said when I was a kid, it was a handshake. Now it's a boardroom, and if I could use the word screw, you know, it's it's all about the money for stockholders or hedge fund people or you know who's ever investing in in the company. So as I say, passion. You also have to have the smarts to look out for yourself. I'm glad you hit on that right up front because I think a lot of it, which may be lost in translation in this new generation, which I am in, is having that passion and ingenuity, just like the way that you slated. And it has become totally lost in the pursuit or the discovery of a job to have it be passion-driven or even interest-driven. I feel the vast majority of my peers and those even younger than me who are coming to me now about to graduate and are looking for that first start of their career is that they're obviously looking to where the money goes. And to some degree, that's okay, but it's a, it's a fuel that is so unsustainable. And right. what I found... And it's a short-lived path. It's not, it's not a... A, it's a job. It's not a career. It's not a passion. It's not a lifestyle. Yeah, um, you know, li- live what you believe. Like I'll give you my, I'll give you my own path for a true example. I was not a good student um, at all. I went to college and never graduated. I went for fine arts, but I wasn't a truly technical artist. But I, I had that creativity in me. And my path led me to just by being aware, and this is where, you know, some people are very technical and book smart, and some people are kind of street smart. And unfortunately, in today's world, you got to kind of combine the two. Yeah. And I, I kind of saw with my, with my art background and my design, you know, I took basic products that were selling, you know, and I just added my artistic twist to them. So to give you an example, like back then they sold white Ked shoes. That was it. Everybody wanted just white or black Ked shoes. And you went to the shoe department. And just by, you know, a, a lot a lot of it's luck, timing and all. But passion, I started doing crazy cool designs. And I took them out of the shoe department. And I put them on hangers so everybody could see them. And moved them to a hosiery department. Like where you'd buy socks and also people could see them and our sales went from just starting off by screwing around thinking like you know i'm an idiot kid you know seven thousand pairs a week to fifty thousand pairs a week to two hundred thousand pairs a week to a major corporation and you know it's just and again and it was fun because i lived it i breathed it and i was passionate about it and it's sustained for you know 40 years and you know, again, it's it, it's just because if you enjoy what you do, you're going to do it better. Just like when you, as a kid, if you love swimming, you became a good swimmer. If you love bike riding, you you know you were doing wheelies. It's <laughs> you know it's it, it's it's not generic. If if you like what you do, like I used to, you know, wake up out of bed and just just want to go to work instead of 
having to go to work. And that's the big difference. Wanting and having are two very, very different, different paths for people. And I'm sure in your time too, that you've seen people, whether that be colleagues or those that work for you, that they just don't have that in them. They don't have that spark. And it becomes so evident because like we mentioned, when that fuel is so unsustainable, you're going to eventually run into a roadblock where that extra hour or that that extraneous idea that might become something successful just isn't within that person because they're not thinking that way. They're thinking more of uh, just trying to make ends meet. And right, and they become a robot. It's just robotics. It's it's you know, and 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 that creates happy from sad from enjoyable to you know unenjoyable workplace. Like even in my own workplace, like and if you're fortunate enough later in your life, you know, the, who's ever your target audience. And if you become a manager or a general manager or an owner or a VP or a president of a, and you have people working with you, treat them as you'd want to be treated because it comes back tenfold. My average employee has been with me for 32 years. And because my problems are their problems. We, whether you make a dollar or a hundred million dollars in life, we all have the same problems. You know, you have hardships in your family, you have deaths in your family, you have children that need this, you have obligations to your family, you have kids' graduations, stupid Halloween parades, you have, you know, all the minutia shit that gets in the way, and you can't be. If it's good for you, it has to be good for them because money doesn't define a person. The person defines the person. So I was fortunate enough to always treat everybody around me the way that I'd want to be treated. And it comes back tenfold. And I'm not talking about money. I'm just talking about relationships, friendships. I remember one year I needed something so desperately and most of my staff if it's okay to say I'm Jewish and they were all Christian. And <laughs> it is. <laughs> I, and I really needed them to, it was that important to me on Christmas. I had to get something out the way that the dates set and the cancellation dates. And because of the way you treat people, they were willing to celebrate Christmas on the 27th instead of the 25th. And, we're, and I, I didn't get one no. They all gave me 100%. And if I could tell anybody, because social media and texting and all this other bullshit is takes away from the one-on-one -on -one relationships that that I was able to enjoy from whether it be the boardroom to the loading dock to my inventory control to you know and anywhere up in the ladder, and that's where I feel unfortunately that this upcoming next two generations is missing out. Come one, come all. It's tough to say, y'all. 